The Bulls have three seconds to try a shot and try to win the game. This is the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Coming to you from the betting deck. I don't believe what I just saw. Here are your hosts. Jenks! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Smitty and Q. Good evening. Wednesday, the night before the Masters. I feel like we should be at a dinner right now, uh, you know, with green jackets on. Um Maddie Nails was on a golf course today getting ready for it, so that was exciting. He, he thought he was a uh, really big shot out there playing from the tip, so uh, good for him. And uh, what's going on, boys? Oh, nothing Not much, else. Q. Excited to be here. I was jealous of Matt sending out the pictures today. I'm at work, and he's sending out golf pictures. I was a little jealous. Hey, man, I needed a half day. After I closed out our books for uh, end of quarter, I need a little recharge, get some golf, maybe smoke a few cigars and have a couple adult beverages, get ready for the Masters tomorrow. And we got a special guest. Hit it, Q. Uh, Smitty, take the floor. Uh, you brought this guy to us. You know, we followed him uh, recently since you brought him up. And, uh, I mean, he's on fire right now. Uh, super great guy, you know, behind the scenes. So take the floor, Bob. Well, I'm, I'm very excited again. This was a guy that I followed for many years. I've followed him on his YouTube channel, some different things that he's doing. There's a lot of exciting things happening right now in his life. It's a pleasure and an honor to have Jimmy the bag. Thank you so much, Jimmy, for being on the show. My absolute pleasure, gentlemen. Uh, looking forward to talk some sports with you guys. And uh, yeah, we're running hot in MLB. It's extremely exciting. It's a rarity for me. So I'm just, I, I just, I'm just beside myself. Everything keeps, I, I, if this bottom of the fifth in Baltimore, New York goes away and Baltimore cashes his first five, I mean, 13 and two, in my last 15, it's, it feels very good. So I'm in great spirits. Man, that's like going, you that's had like some, getting you the know, rain before man coming. He he's had some big news because you you just had an addition to the family. So congratulations! Thank you. Yeah, congrats. And you just had great news on I believe it's Monday. Can you go into that? What did you just hook up with on Monday? A new podcast every day at eleven a.m. and that is with Pub Sports Pub, Radio, correct? Yeah, Pub Sports Radio. I, I moved from odds to Pub Sports Radio. And I'm really excited. There's so many of the pub sports cappers and fans are guys who I've, you know, I've been capping publicly. This is my fourth year of, of every bet and every just, you know, capping all day, every day publicly. And so I know a lot of these guys and a few of them have come up through my show, betting with the bag, like ski profit and Connor Mack and so when you have bonds like that, I mean, they're really strong. And and then Clint, star of the Die Hard MMA podcast, he's come over with me to over to Pub Sports Radio. He's already been with them, but he was mostly over with me at odds. And Clint's another guy who came up through my show, Betting with the Bag, when it was Peter Loshak and myself. And so I, the bonds I have with these guys are enormous. A Boston Nick came up through my show. 
and they're all over there at Pub Sports. So it really feels like family, and it's much looser. And I get free reign to to handle the shows exactly the way I want to, and put on who I want to. You know, really, it's and, and then what that is, it's not really my decision. It's the my fans and my friends and the audience. They get to decide what we do. So you know, this Saturday is a full day of horses, which is my love, and. It's, I'm just really, really excited, uh, inspired, working with all these great cappers. I'm just excited to be live every day again. Because before I was shooting filmed breakdowns. And that was the only way that we felt we were succeeding was by being first to the market. So I was shooting between 11 at night and 1 in the morning for the following day. And then after that, you have to do you know the editing and, and uh, time stamping and all the work behind it. So I wouldn't get to sleep till three 30 in the morning. And then I, and I have a three year old and a two month old and that working that late is very, very difficult because you're up at seven in the morning and you need that energy for your family. So I'm really excited about being live every day at 11 AM. Yeah. I know the feeling. I just had a, uh, I have a three week year old, so I, I get oh, the whole, man. you need to sleep. Um, so let me ask this. So, um, First, I guess, tell me kind of how you got started and then B, um, you know, uh, is Pub Sports Radio, kind of where are they based out of? So obviously we know like VEASAN is based out of Vegas. Where are they based out of to kind of give the viewers a little uh, little background? Pub Sports Radio based out of San Antonio. Okay. So, you know, they have a lot of Southern influences and I'm going to, what I, okay, so I cap every day. I cap, uh, you know, capping shows and I find them boring. Uh, the capping shows are all the same style. I try to make mine more exciting than others, but really I just work. I, I put in six to eight hours of prep for each show. So I, so, you know, like today and yesterday we had 29 NHL, NBA and MLB games. And I capped them all and had them ready to go. And, but it's, but it's boring. It's what it is. And, and I don't, I came up as a standup comedian. I was a standup comedian for 19 years until I went down to Costa Rica for a sports book review I was an actor and, you know, was in some movies and TV shows. Uh, I don't know. I, I started Final Destination 3, the roller coaster one. I, I don't know if you guys saw that movie, but I, I caused yeah. the accident and death comes back and gets me. After the, the women die in the tanning salon with their titties out, <laughs> I die in the drive through when the, you know, truck engine comes out and the fan blade chops yeah. off my head. Dude, that's... I was wondering why you look so familiar. Wow. I, yeah. I, do, I exactly, I know who you are now. I'm like, this guy, I know him, but I don't know where, you know, maybe Twitter, but no, that's crazy. Final Destination 3, good for you. Yeah, so I, I, that was my background. And what I want to do is to be filming things related to sports gambling outside the box. I want to go on trips. I want to, my, my, I did a documentary called Who is Jimmy the Bag? And the guy who filmed it, we want to just hit the road. So one of the things we're doing as soon as it opens up from the pandemic is we're going to drive from Toronto to San Antonio and we're going to stop in every horse track and sports book along the way and, and film and record it. See what, what we're dealing with, with a handicapping show, handicapping the games is a real niche market. And also I've got friends who are comedians who gamble, gamble on sports, but they can't watch my show. They don't, it's too advanced. They don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> We're, we're going to slowly grow, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you really want to do something that could catch the eye of the masses, you have to do something different. 
And that's what I want to do. And I can't do it right now because of the pandemic. And that's fine. I still love capping the card every day. But it's certainly not what I want to be doing in the future. And when I went down to Costa Rica for Sportsbook Review, it was because I was trying to do stuff that was outside the box. And in the first three months, I was shooting that. But then they wanted me to focus on a daily show twice a day with the legend Peter Loshak, which I was honored to do and excited to do. But then again, we're talking about back at that niche market and it grows so slowly. So my background is film and television and stand-up. I was a stand-up comedian for 19 years and I stopped. Basically, my wife got pregnant and I was very concerned about the amount of money I was bringing in and also being on the road every weekend. And my biggest years in stand-up comedy were 03 to 05. I shot, you know, bunch of movies and TV series during that time. And then it sort of dried up a little bit for me. And some of the big things I saw were, you know, I started in Final Destination 3 as uh, Frankie Cheeks. I caused the accident on the roller coaster and death comes back to haunt me and get me, gets me after the the women die in the tanning salon with their titties out. I get killed in the drive-thru with a engine fan blade off the back of my head. And my, the thing that was happening with me was my stand-up material wasn't really maturing as I was getting older. 25, 28, 29, I still sort of had a set for a 20-year-old. And I I respect observational humor, but that wasn't the stuff I was creating. It was more outside the box. And it became difficult for me to create enough new material when a club wants you back every six months or nine months. And they want to see new stuff. And, and that was – so in truth, I stopped doing stand-up and started focusing more on – gambling even though i gambled all the way through it but because i wasn't succeeding as a stand-up comedian the way i had hoped to and you need to be able to sell places out because of your name on the marquee and if you can't do that then the amount of money you're making is about a thousand dollars a weekend a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a weekend and then you're spending a ton of money because you're on the road all the time and it sounds better than it is even if you write everything off it, it doesn't help so I gambled all my life. My dad you know, raised me at the horse track. That was We spent the horse track every weekend. He taught me how to read a horse racing form by the time I was you know, eight years old, very complicated form. And, and my family comes – well, my dad's side comes from a long line of gambling alcoholics. <laughs> and my dad, it was extremely important to him to stop the alcoholism yeah. in the family. Definitely. So – I've never seen him have a shot of alcohol. I've seen him have a beer a couple times. He drinks wine, but I've never seen him have any hard liquor. His dad's nickname was Red because he always had a beer and a shot and his face was red. And he barely talked about his dad. <laughs> and uh, and I'm a, a big drinker and a big gambler. And he's you know he's done his best to keep the sauce away from me. <laughs> but uh, But I just – my family gambles. And I love it. Hey. With the horse track, my heart beats through my chest. It pounds through my chest. There's nowhere I'd rather be in the whole world than the horse track. And it excites me. And it makes me happy. And it brings me joy. And the issue is you can't, you know, hurt your life. It's very easy to negatively affect your life with gambling. And, you know, you need to have an account that's solely your gambling account. You need to build up a bankroll so that you're not taking from your family. And even then, it's a slippery slope and it's very dangerous. And so I can understand the fears that are associated with what we do. 
but part of those fears are the reason why it's so exciting. And I fucking love this. I love this stuff so and, much. And I'll, I'll tell you, boys, too, this guy, his derby stuff, and well, any of the horse racing that he does, because I followed him a lot with some of his, with his horse racing. He'll come out with like a show for like a derby and he'll cap it. And it's a great podcast or whatever you want to call it hit on, you know, if it was on YouTube or whatever it was, Jimmy's one of the best. And that's where I've really, you know, I really started getting into you with the horse racing. You do some great live stuff with horse racing. And the one thing I think you said it very well, Jimmy was, you've you've brought up and you've had great guests and people you've worked with like you know ski profit i know who he is great nba cap i mean he's just good in a lot of things but you've had and i like how you interact with your show like how people are like writing you and you're like saying they're in the room and you're talking to them and they're giving you games i think your interaction with your audience is just fantastic well i love it one of the things about the way i cap is that I don't have ulterior motives. I'm not a tout. I'm not, I'm never going to sell you a play. I'm not going to sell you anything. All I want to do is work together to beat the books. And when you come with that sort of, you know, I don't know what the right word is, purity. I don't know. In in this business that is um, really dicey and there's a lot of, it's really fraudulent. There's a lot of lying and there's a lot of, People just trying to sell you their picks more than anything else. And if they could sneak into your bedroom at night and take the wallet out of your jacket, they would do that as well. And I also am not here saying, look, I'm the best capper in the world. So I have no problem celebrating the handicappers that I work with when they succeed. And one thing that I've always had is I couldn't understand competitiveness with friends And colleagues, it never made sense to me. You want your friends to succeed. You want to be around success. If you're the only successful guy in a group of friends, you've done a shitty job picking friends. You want all your friends to succeed. And and if they do, it, it rubs off. Winning rubs off. Success rubs off. And so I give the audience a voice. It helps my ROI. It excites them. And I have no fear of other success. I think that's what it comes down to. Jimmy, I have two things real quick. One, I'm pretty sure Smitty did steal my wallet out of my jacket and call it. And two, uh, you had brought up earlier. So you said you'd love to take a trip and gamble on said trip. Now I'm going to guess you've been to Vegas for March Madness. Yes or no? Uh, you know, interesting you say that. Not March Madness. One of the things that I we would do is we'd go – I would go five times, six times a year, but we'd go during the cheaper times. Okay. And also also I worked every weekend. I So my problem was I was a Sunday to Thursday Vegas guy anyways. And so – and also I, I play poker. I'm a heavy poker player. So – so my Vegas trips were never Super Bowl. Were never, they were when the hotel – because, you know, you get the free hotels. It was when, when things oh, yeah. were cheap. I did the same thing watching sports. I, I'm only going to see a game if a shitty team is playing because I'm not going to pay that. And, and this year uh, coming up, I'm going to get season tickets for the 905 for the G League basketball team up here because I just want the experience – 
I don't need to come at the most popular time. And, uh, you know, going to live horse races too, it's not that – I mean, if you, uh, being in the Kentucky Derby, you go to these big – it's packed. It's it's almost more fun to go on a, on a quieter day when there's not huge lines and, and, and you know, everything is cheaper. So, no, I, I haven't been to March Madness. And I plan – my parents met in Vegas. And I'm working on – I've got the dual citizenship coming, so I'm – I want to live in Vegas. I, I want that circle to come complete. So hopefully I'll be down for those big events. But Well, even though it's a little more expensive, I highly recommend putting it on your bucket list. Um, there is nothing quite as electric as a sports book from 9 a.m. till 9 p.m. with guys drinking, yelling, screaming, good-looking bartenders, people ripping up tickets, throwing them in the air, guys dropping 20K on a – halftime under it's it's insane the amount so i go every year my girlfriend and i and we even went this year during the pandemic and i still had a blast i got a reserved uh seat at the cosmo sports book and every morning i'd just go make my bets and then i'd park up at that casino bar for the next five hours and just it, it it's it's like you said you enjoy it i enjoy it i could sit there all day and just do it i love sports books I've, you know, it's just heaven and it's so easy to make friends and yep. you, know, you have these very similar things that, that you love so much. And, you know, next thing you know, you, you're, you show up alone and you're sitting with 10 or 15 guys hammering action out. I was always a Caesars Palace guy. That was before William Hill took over. I haven't been down since William Hill took over, but, and I'm very concerned about seeing it now that it's William impressive. Hill has it. It's impressive, but it, actually. But it's also... You know, the free drinks, I would have 40 free drinks in front of me. <laughs> and William Hill is not about that. No, so you have, to, you have to play for your tickets now. Well, it was same there. But if you spend over $5 on a horse race, you got a ticket. Yeah. So it was just nonstop, you know. And so so I was always a serious palace guy, and I would spend all day. All day I would spend all day at the horse book. And then, you know, at about 6 or 7 at night, it would be poker time. Poker until, you know, four or five in the morning uh, at least. And then I would try to actually play poker until the book would open so that I could make my bets and sleep. It's a bit, Sleep is very tricky in Vegas. Oh, oh you, don't have, you don't have to sell me on that. <laughs> yeah. I, now, Jimmy, I went down, yeah. uh, I was just going to uh, get the next question. So when you are in Vegas or when you're, when you're capping, um, give me your – Two two questions. Uh, the first one's pretty you know pretty quick. Are you an analytical uh, capper or are you the I watch the game and I study the players? You know, kind of the the in the moment gambling. You know, it's just um, common knowledge. This team's better. This player's better. Um, and then, what two sports would you say are your most dominant or most consistent? Well, good question. I would. There's under. Uh, there's a belief in our industry that if you are an eye test, I know the players, capper, you are bad. And I don't agree with that. I understand that the advanced analytics are enormously helpful. And I can understand building models and using them. Uh, 
by the way, uh, Orioles just got out of the bottom of the fifth. <laughs> Good for you. I, was, I didn't want yeah. to interrupt you, but yes, they did. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. What were we talking about again? We're talking about winning. In my wallet. Um, <clears throat> so for me, my mom is a psychologist. My stepdad is as well. And I find the psychology and the situational capping is the best thing that you can do. And it also brings the most enormous amount of joy in that predictive setting rather than having a model and sitting back and, and then saying your model's right or your model's accurate or whatever. And, there, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that there has to be a mixture between the two. And for me, I watch sports nonstop but the work that put that you have to put into handicapping is strenuous, and the number, the thing, the reason why baseball is so daunting, and you know I'm off to a great start, and we'll see how long that lasts. But that's because you can spend three or four hours on each game, and the amount of numbers to go over are it's just it's really difficult, and so I find baseball by far the hardest sport to handicap because if you spend enough time and you dig deep enough, you understand who's been unlucky. And when, you know, there'll be regression to the mean for me, I'm always going to be a situational handicapper. I'm always going to watch very, very closely and talk about the, the feeling a team has their mojo and all that stuff. And, and I know that is looked upon as very simple capping, and that's fine because we always we all have to remember what got us here in the first place. And it's fun. And I have enormous amounts of fun handicapping the way I do it. So I'm not afraid to say that, that, that my main angles are situational and psychological well, rather than. Are. I mean, well, you know, we look at stats, but I would say we're the same. Well, I, I think, too, the great thing you just said there was you have fun. And watching you over the years and the energy and just how you interact again, you can tell you're having fun. And that's what life's about. So good for you. And I mean, keep doing your thing. I mean, that's awesome. And I, I and I agree with you too. Baseball is extremely hard. I mean, we're not, we've said it from the get-go. We're three guys. We talk sports. We give opinions. We put out our plays just to try to say sometimes we have really good spots. Sometimes we don't. And baseball is hard. I mean, baseball is a really, you know, Q, can I tell a funny story? So I had a three-team money line last night throughout, you know, not a little bit. It was about a $50, $60 winner. It would have been, oh, man, it was the Yanks. It was the White Sox going against a lefty again. Man, they crushed left-hand pitching. Yeah, 14-0 last year. Yes, just killing it right now. Um and then I had Tampa Bay. So I went to bed because I had to go back to work this week off spring break. So I got up around 2 a.m. and I checked my phone and I went right to the White Sox game. Big win. And what happens? Go back to Tampa. And that's the thing. It's bullpens, blow games nonstop. I mean, it's it's hard. Because well, I, I thought Yan- Yankees were big winners. Tampa was up 3-1, 4-1 when I went to bed. I mean, I went to bed early last night, but you get up like that and you saw the White Sox and it was like, oh, good good win there. That's going to be a good win. And then you look and it's like, ah, another blow lead. 
So. Well, I, I took the under in that. It was uh, over under nine. Tyler Glass now, stud pitcher, low ERA. Uh, last year into this year, you know, Boston not hitting the ball well. Uh, I, it goes into the uh, – I go to bed in the sixth inning. It's 3-1, and I wake up to feed my kid at, like, 2.30. I think I have a winner, so I just double-check it. And next thing I know, I'm looking at a 6-5 loser. <laughs> what? It's always tough to go back to bed. Right. It's always tough to go back to bed. Well, extra innings are now going to crush all unders. Yeah, They're because you're yeah, on second. It's awful. So uh, when you go into extras, you're, you're – you're generally going to lose your under, yeah. but for me, like I went four and one today, and I four first fives. I'm not. I'm there. Maybe ten percent of my bets are going to be full game right now until I get a better read on the bullpens, which takes you. You need. You can't have too small of a sample size. So you need three weeks or a month. So I'm going to focus on first fives. That's where I have seemingly have control. And the thing about baseball for me is that when you cap every day and you cap all these games. The, the length of the season, the 162 games, that's just – it destroys you. It just – it beats you up. And so my first year down at SBR, I, uh, I I got up 43 units in NHL in front of everybody. And, and NHL has always been my bread and butter. But there's been a change in my NHL handicapping. And then I got destroyed in baseball and couldn't had difficulty going to sleep. Another thing, you guys checking the scores at 2 a.m. or 1 a.m., if I have to wake up, because I used to wake up really early, like 4.30, 3.45 at one point when when MLB, NHL, and NBA were going on at the same time, I can't look at a score. If if I look at one score, I'm not going back to sleep. And if, <laughs> if it's a loser, there's just no chance I'm sleeping. <laughs> so I can't – I will not look at a score. I have to stop myself. Don't look at any scores. But what happened, what happened is interesting, and I figure it out as I say it. So, you know, being on the show like this, I start figuring out. So why was I so successful in the last, you know, my first two years publicly betting NHL every day and, and not as successful in the last two years? And that's because I, when I came down to Costa Rica, I was betting parlays. And I know that's a no-no in our industry, but I didn't have a big enough bankroll to get big scores. And all I wanted were big scores. So I was parlaying, and I was fine with that. And then in NHL, I would take puck lines all the time so that my minimum average line would be, you know, like, you know, well, if you take totals out of it, my average line was always, you know, around plus 160 and plus 170. And I was taught, and I understand why, that that was poor capping, that I should be taking the minus one line. And so my average line's been going down and down and down, and so is my profit has been going down the last couple of years. And it's because in NHL with the empty netters, I think that you can take the bigger risks and go for the bigger scores. And I haven't been doing that. And NHL was always my bread and butter. Biggest scores in my life were always NHL and, and generally NHL futures for the biggest scores of my life. But NHL was my bread and butter. And that stopped this year. I'm down 9.66 units right now on the year. And I have Kings first period. And basketball, I was extremely consistent, but not for big enough scores. The last three years, I ended between 9.8 units up and 14 units up, but it was consistent. And this year, so then in the bubble, I dominated because all the intangibles were gone. They weren't partying and there weren't travel. So now it was just gameplay and it was the best I've ever done. Then this year, 
the player props have completely destroyed me. And that's a, a the bigger issue is that I don't have a grip on what's going on. It's not that player props are my problem. If I'm losing player props, what's what's the underlying problem here? And that's my read is wrong on these players. So this has been the first year in NBA where I'm losing publicly. And what happens, and you guys know this, is when you start losing, you start taking bigger risks. You start betting more games. And the losing creates more losing. And you it's, you, you can feel it slipping. You can feel the sport getting away from you. And when you're winning, you're more conservative. You make smarter plays. You're think your thought process is sharper you trust your gut when you're losing you start listening to everybody else and not yourself so it's all and then my problem with nba is being consistent in nba is only good for content because my unit size is not big enough where if you end up the season up 10 units you can what pay rent pay make a mortgage payment put food on the table you can't do any of that so my issue right now is how do I get my unit size higher? And it's been at a standstill now for three years, and that's at $200 for NHL, $150 for NBA, $125 for MLB, and $100 for NCAA basketball and NCAA football, and it's at a standstill. And what does that create? Well, that makes me just a recreational gambler, and I need a job to feed my family and pay my rent, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I want to be a professional gambler and I want my unit size to go up and your unit size has to go way up for you to hit two or three percent and pay your rent. And so I'm banging my head against the wall right now. I'm upset. I had this incredible December. I went 27 and nine in the bowl games and college football. And I was just I was just on such a roll. And then this year has been tough. And. If this was the only way I was feeding my family, well, they wouldn't be eating, you know, and that's scary. And, and so if my unit size, if I come back on your show, let's say, let's say you see me again. I'd like to be here often, but let's say you don't see me for two years and my unit size is still 200, 150, 125, 100. I'm going to be extremely upset. Uh, it's just a sign that I'm not succeeding. Hey, I want to touch on. Yeah, I want to touch ahead. on something you said about uh, baseball. So these guys, these other two guys, they're firing away like maniacs right now in games. And I've uh, barely gotten into first year. I've only bet six games in baseball so far because I'm a big trends guy. And I can't get any trends out of the gate for a month until I see what starting pitching's doing, what bullpens are doing. So I'm actually really just casual betting to get a little action in there, period. And I love that you said that you can't get a read on it because – it takes about a month just for these guys to even get their stride. And usually the pitching starts out way stronger than the hitting. But And then I, I tried to factor in the, this reported dead ball era, and I don't see that out of the gate like they're saying. And now we have the 10th inning guy on second killing our unders late. And I'm like, I'm going to give it a month. I'm just going to do a couple casual games here and there, and I'm going to start uh, betting everybody who plays the Pittsburgh Pirates. I was going to say, that was a great lead in, Matt. I liked how you said, like, maybe teams are coming out of the gate slow. My pirates are just, we're treading a little bit. We're not trying to, listen, it goes my saying, 
We're not showing off, but we're not falling far behind. But the pirates are starting to fall far behind. <laughs> they are. Already, they're I, already behind, buddy. That's that's. I, AAA, I know they are. That's AAA Nashville team right there. I know. You know, Man, Manny, touch, Manny, I think them. I do think that's a little bit dangerous because MLB is so difficult that if you create all this data for the first month and then trust it. Maybe a month isn't even enough of a sample size. Oh, very true. I, I think that you should dip your foot in now with – I mean, we still have – if you like trends, we still have the White Sox versus lefties. Yep, that's one of ours and, that I'll touch. And and focusing on first fives because there's a ton of first fives caching. So – and, and the only reason why I say it's dangerous is because – the two sports I've always been afraid – you know what's funny? I wasn't afraid of MLB until I, until I started doing it publicly uh, every day, and then I, I learned to fear it. But I was always so afraid of NBA, and the reason why I started losing this year is because I destroyed the bubble on three very successful years – not I didn't say very – three successful years in front of everybody. I started thinking I was better than the NBA, and I stopped getting scared of it. And my fear of MLB is so enormous – that if I gave it a month of not betting it and start, and then maybe got a few losses, I would be I would be afraid to pull the trigger. That's my only thing because one month of sample size, two months of sample size, the numbers the numbers will eat you alive. In baseball, no, I, I I agree with you, and I I like what you said. Uh, like one of my better bets was the White Sox against left-handed pitchers. I've noticed. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at any Jacob Degrom start and go first five under. And I was kind of serious, but not really serious just because Smitty's such a Pirates fan. <laughs> but I mean, if you want to win her right now, just bet whoever the Pirates are playing. It's it's really, and I live in Pittsburgh, so I get to see firsthand all their nonsense and how bad this team really is. That is a triple A team at best. I, I Like I went through, I played golf today and I talked with the guy I was golfing. I literally can only name, I think three people that, I could take off their roster and say, put on a Yankees roster. That's how weak that team is right now. It's a weak, it's a very weak team. And I'd love to touch on Pittsburgh briefly. One of the things that excited me so much about moving back from Costa Rica to, to Toronto was that great American cities like Pittsburgh are close. They're a five-hour drive away. Yep. And then the pandemic has shut it down, so I haven't been able to go anywhere. But but we went to Pittsburgh we went, saw the Penguins play. Uh, they beat the Kings. Mark Andre Fleury shut out the Kings in front of us. And uh, you know, with a few minutes left in the game, people would be leaving, and the whole arena would chant, uh, "Why are you leaving?" Yeah, which I'd never heard before, and I loved. Then, then we went downtown to a, we walked everywhere the arena right downtown. Our hotel, we were at the Intercontinental for a hundred bucks a night. Yep. And the we went to a meatball bar in yep. downtown Emporio. Yep. It was heaven. Yeah, and I loved it. And I and I still haven't seen a Pirates game. I walked over the bridge. I I, I love the city and, and can't wait to get back. It's a it's a great town, and they've done so much more with it. I'm going to see a Pirates game in three weeks, I believe. I scored some nice tickets to go see them play the Cards. It's it's a superb city for sports. Um, it, and like you said, you can walk. Like you can actually walk from the Penguins Arena to uh, PNC Park and Heinz Field. It's a little bit of a walk, but it's all doable. Yeah, it's a, it's a superb city for sports. Yeah, I love it. And I there's so many cities around here that I'd be 
traveling to all the time if I could. You know, Buffalo, Detroit, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Chicago, Louisville. And then when you get to Louisville, you have, you know, Nashville, Memphis, you know, all right there. And I haven't been able to do it and you know, because of uh, the pandemic. So I hope that changes badly. I think we're trending in the right direction. Not here. We just uh, – what it's April 7th, and tomorrow night at midnight – Tomorrow night at midnight, we have a emergency one-month lockdown. Oh. So we're already in a lockdown, but we have another emergency lockdown. Everything shut down for a month starting tomorrow at midnight. Mm. Wow. Well, that's not a good note, but on, a, on another totally different tangent, uh, I want to know what the deal is with your hat. So I see him lined up you know, on all your shows and things like that. Give me the rundown on how you select the hats. Well, I've got a – you know, my, my brother has a hat addiction. He's got about 600, and he uh, started – and they're all in boxes. Like, he doesn't even have them out. He started a hat company because he just loved them so much. I've got – about here I've got about 100, 125, and um, I just love sports. I just love sports so much. It's just it, – it's what I, – I can count on sports. No matter what else is going on in the world, even when the first the pandemic hit and everything shut down, we had horse racing every day, and I was going seven days a week on these marathon, you know, eight to twelve hour horse racing sessions live. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You know, we we tend to think get caught up in our own bullshit, and sort of we and, and a lot of us can fight it off, but you know, think the world just revolves around you and the truth is is that we're all going to die and nothing's going to change no one no one's going to i mean maybe you have a few family members care or whatever but everything's going to go on the exact same as it was before you're just not here and sports is that never-ending story that continually brings joy to my life i we never know what's going to happen next you get the jalen suggs buzzer beater three and then they get destroyed by Baylor sports keeps you sane and it just it's the you know the the most consistent glorious thing that we have on planet earth it also keeps so you I insane love, yeah well a good point <laughs> in thing though but so I just love sports so I you know every time I'm, I'm it's very hard for me not to get a hat every time I go to the mall there's so many hats that I want and looking at all these hats, I dream about these teams and the cities and Seattle Pilots right here. Only one year. Oh, sorry, you can't. My Seattle Pilots one year in the National League, 1968. I got my, you know, Hartford Whalers. Oh, I mean, love the whale. I, see this hat, yeah. I think of Mike Liute wearing the captain, you know, talking to the refs at center ice with his goalie equipment on. Like every hat tells a story. This Vancouver Grizzly hat. It makes me think of uh, putting on a black mask and waiting outside of Stu Jackson's house, and and then <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to say Bryant Reeves, big country. <laughs> no, he's the second guy I think of. Okay. The first guy, Stu, Stu Jackson ruined our, Stu Jackson ruined our franchise. Uh, we were offered Bibby uh, Nash for Bibby straight up, and Stu Jackson said no to it. He never got another job. He completely <laughs> ruined our. It was just awful. The amount of losing. He's someone I would toss a ski mask on and Nancy <laughs> Kerrigan for sure. Nancy uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, look, I've got, you know, under under the Grizzlies hat is a note here. I like to keep these things around. This is a note from um, Matt Randall. 
he sent me uh, a letter when I had my son. It's just a pen, you know, a handwritten letter. And Matt Randall's son Briggs had some, uh, you know, some medical issues when he was born, and we were all very nervous and scared. And Briggs is got through it all, but we, you know, we were all sending Briggs energy and all that stuff. So, you know, I keep letters like this under hats, and they, there's, you know, every hat tells a story to me. You got the expos here, and you know, first thing I think of is Vladdy Guerrero. Oh yeah. And then we have his son playing right here for Blue Jays, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Here, I mean, I think of the Stastny brothers. The uh, you got me on that one. I don't know them. Oh. Uh, the Quebec Paul Nordiques. Peter? Uh, yes, and Anton. All right. Uh, you know, so every – and then the Giants, I, my family's from San Francisco, but my dad my dad was the A's fan. and Little Reggie Jackson. Oh, yeah. Vida I mean, Blue. Ricky Anderson. My apologies. Ricky Anderson. Sorry. Well, Reggie played for the A's. Yeah, he oh, yeah. played for the A's. Uh, well, uh, yeah, but he, it seems like he was kind of known in the Yankees, so. Got, and I have, you know, old California Angels hat from when I was young. That is an oldie there. Yeah. Mark Langston. Yep. So, yeah, you know, they all, they all just, um, you know, they just, it brings me peace, man. It's awesome. That's so awesome. So who's your squad? Uh, Vancouver Canucks. Okay. What about for baseball? Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, but I grew up an Expos fan. Awesome. I love the Expos, even though I had a love-hate relationship with them because I'm a Phillies fan, but I've always liked – the thought of that Canadian team, I'd loved their logo. I loved Andre Dawson and Tim Raines. At the same time, I hated Gary Carter. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I was like, man, I really love this team. I watched, I love to watch Dawson hit and Reigns run. And then I was like, oh, and then you have the captain, Gary Carter, who just Rock, annoyed me. Rock Reigns and the Hawk. Yep. Damn, Jimmy, do me a favor. And uh, yeah. since you're an Expos guy, go ahead and uh, take care of FP Santangelo because. As a diehard Nats fan, I am. I I can't stand his commentation on the game. I mean, Jesus, the pitch goes right down the middle, and it's 0-2, and he doesn't swing, and he's like, "Well, he was looking for the curveball. Don't give him hard time." Like, Jesus, what are you well, talking about? FB, FP was probably looking because he hit about one twenty. So. Yeah, man, he's Mendoza yeah. line. Take him back up there, but uh, no, that's awesome, Jimmy. So let me ask you before we let you go. Uh, we'll definitely have you on soon. Um, Thank you. You know, the more the better. Uh, Give me uh, – I don't know if you've already started cap. Maybe just an eye test or maybe you have cap. Um, if you want to give us a game tomorrow that you're kind of eyeing in on, feel free to. Uh, you know, the amount of – so it's it's 8.47 right now, p.m. Eastern, and my show starts at 11 a.m. So I have six to eight hours of work I have to do before the show starts. Tomorrow's a little easier because there's a smaller MLB card. And by smaller, I mean 10 games. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I need to get my grind on. And and I do think that you can look at a schedule and trust your gut what is appealing and not appealing. But I think it's very dangerous. A quick look here. I, I think Lance Lynn is a bulldog. And it's going to be – this minus 160 that you're seeing on the White Sox against Keller is is interesting, but you're probably not getting value. We're going to see the Jays in their home 
in Dunedin. So they're playing at their spring training complex. And the ball should be flying. So I guess the first thing that I think of when I see Canning, whom they're, they've been hiding and trying not to start against Stripling, the total opened at 10. And the leading indicator books have already moved it to 10 and a half. It's a little band box down there in Dunedin. So that over is appealing. But I'm going to need to put in hours upon hours of work. What I could do, though, is NHL I find quite a bit easier. And Florida Panthers are first place in the National Hockey League, and they aren't that good. And they've now lost Aaron Ekblad, their 24-year-old stud defenseman for the next three months. And I'm going to fade them. Fade them and fade them. And I faded them against the Hurricanes last game. I'm going to fade them again against the Hurricanes. So the first thing that jumps out at me would be backing the Carolina Hurricanes at home to beat Florida again on Thursday night. Awesome. Well, I like it. I, I'm going to give you one right now. You're going to get rid of your mortgage. Okay. <laughs> so today is Thursday. So on Monday, you'll be uh, paying cash for your house when you cash this. Take the minus 130 Cubs against the Pirates tomorrow. Your house will be paid for. <laughs> oh, that's we're rubbing it in my face. All right. I get it, everybody. The Pirates aren't very good. All right. I love it. Hey, Jimmy, Jimmy, can I? Man, it, again, it's such, it was such an honor, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking – because we, you know, we know you are extremely busy. And it, when I told the boys that you were going to come on, it meant a big deal to us. And, again, we're trying to grow this. And it was a it was a big get for us to have you on the show. So we really appreciate you taking time out. My absolute pleasure. And if you can hear my two-month-old uh, crying in the background, I apologize. That, uh, that is – you're okay. Yeah. Hey, real Jimmy, life, real drama. Jimmy, can I pick your brain for one quick pick? Do you do you uh, do you like the Masters at all? Do you bet golf? My my dad, uh, I saw him golf one time, and he won the horse's ass award at the law firm golf retreat or whatever. And uh, and I didn't talk to him about it because he's a uh, you know he can get a. He can get uh, angry quickly. And so, uh, no, he just never raised me golfing, so I never golfed. And and it's uh, I, it's sadly not a part of my repertoire. Who would you like to win the Masters, Nat, Matty? That's who I was going to ask you. If I gave you 100 bucks to bet somebody on the Masters, who would you take? Oh, man, if I, I'd bet uh, Janet Gretzky. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> Paulina, Paulina Gretzky. Yeah. Paulina no, Gretzky. No, no, I'm uh, look, look, man. I'm 41. I'm I'm still looking at Janet. <laughs> so if you had asked me though, if I had to bet a hundred dollars on a golfer, I'm actually going to take the proud new papa himself, John Rahm, at uh, 14 to one to to win. Note taken. I will. I'll be honest. Uh, yeah. Uh, hey. Good pick, Jimmy. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, uh, we really appreciate you. We'll get you on soon, dude. We'll uh, we'll have you. We'll stay in contact. Obviously, you know whether it's me, Smitty, Maddie talking to you, and uh, uh, we'd like to get you on. You know, pretty pretty regularly with baseball. You know, obviously it's a grind, so we have many shows that we could cover. Check them and, out uh, every every day, man. Every yeah. day. Check Great out stuff. Jimmy. He's uh, at Jimmy the Bag on Twitter. 
Again, that's at Jimmy the Bag on Twitter. You know, we'll be retweeting his stuff. Uh, so he'll be all over our page. You know, shoot him a follow, shoot him a DM, whatever. You know, tune into his uh, to his endeavors on his uh, new show. So we, you know, we hope that goes really well for you there at uh, Pop Sports. And um, yeah, till next time, dude. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys so much. Uh, let's let's cash, man. Let's, yeah. Let's improve our lives. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Amen. I love it. Hey, Jimmy. Thanks again, buddy. Yeah, thanks man. So Good luck, Jimmy. Be in touch, Jimmy. Thanks, bud. Be well, guys. See ya. Hey, Jimmy's back. That was awesome. Uh, you know, great guy. Good information. A little of a, a little bit of a sermon there, but it was. Uh, I think it was well well said. So you know, a guy. I like, I, you know what, Q? I liked how open he was. Yep. About just generally sports, gambling to just what he's going through. And again, you know, it's a grind for him. I mean, he puts in a lot of work, very talented. Again, I mean, just follow him. Energy level is off the chains. He really likes what he's doing. And I hope success for him because he's a very talented guy. And I learned a lot. I didn't know he was an actor and stand-up comedian, and that was awesome. He um he's definitely passionate, man. You can you can tell that it's and even more so for us because we can see him via the Zoom here. You can tell how passionate he is about what he's doing. So, oh, for sure. I like to you know I love the question Q with the hats because you know if you watch his show he has all the hats he always has a different hat on yeah and I really liked how. Again, it's not just a hat, it's a story. And then, like, you know, when it went, when he went into like having a letter from a friend that a child was going through some medical things that is doing okay now, that that means a lot to him. And that hat has a meaning. And again, the guy's a great guy. Again, you know, it's so nice. You know, when we got into this, you know, we finally said, let's try to get people to come on. And myself and Q, we kind of, okay, we're going to reach out to this person. And we always said like, oh man, they'll never come on. You know, who are we? We're, I mean, we're really, you know, we're three guys that we have other jobs and we just try to do a podcast. And it's amazing that these people you reach out to and they're like, of course I'll come on. And then you start DMing them or texting them and all that. And they're just great people and they'll get back to you quick. And I reached out to him right before his wife gave birth to their second child. And he's like, Smitty, I'd love to come on. Can you just give me a couple weeks? And I let him, I just left him alone. I was like, I know what he's going through because I have two kids myself. And then he reached out to me out of the blue again and just said, Hey, can I get on? Can, Can we do this? And I was like, absolutely. So again, it was great, great guy and check him out. He's fantastic. And again, it was a great get on the show and just a great interview. And it was great to get to know him. It might be, this is, might be a little off kilter than what we typically talk about, but one of my fraternity brothers from college, uh, did some strength and conditioning training for a MLS team for uh, 10 to 15 years. And they're kind of going through a transition right now. And I was recently met up with him, sadly, at a friend's father's funeral. But we were uh, BS. And, and he's like, he's like, man, he's like, I, I can't wait to check out your podcast. He goes, what about if I come on there and tell a couple stories from like my days of like doing strength and conditioning and stuff like that and traveling with the team? I'm like, absolutely. I'm like, sure, it's not exactly what we cover, but anything to to help a show out and, and get some fun or entertainment value. 
Absolutely. Hey, your buddy Garvey came on to tell Mike Mamola's story. Oh, that, <laughs> you know, it, it is. Hey, we gotta get we gotta we gotta get Garvey back on to tell that story when he went out with um Raul Mondesi and Todd <laughs> yeah. Hudley. That is one of the great Pete Shurik. That's one of the greatest stories. That is funny too, man. Garvey has some great stories, man. Those are funny. Yeah, he does. And you know, that's the thing too, we've said about the show. It's not just the gambling show. We talk sports. Yeah. We and then we we brought some people on and they have talked some gambling. They've talked about their lives and and that's and that's great. And we're gonna keep doing it. So hey Maddie, I mean, I know we're we're gonna wrap it up here because we did more with Jimmy tonight, but who was your golf golf draft? Who'd you get? Um first round was Rom, who I, I wanted. I can't believe he fell to number six. I was really, really shocked since he's number three or four on the board. Uh, then I got Sung J.M. coming back in the second, Corey Connors. And I've read a lot of good things. My last pick, I took a flyer on Carlos Ortiz, the uh, Mexican guy. They say basically he's the Mexican vo- version of Jordan Spieth. Now, I think it's his first time at Augusta. So I'm not expecting anything. But in our golf league, like, hey, when you're picking that guy in the fourth round, that's number 56. I'm like, you just need that guy to, to get – top 15 top 10 and get some extra cash so oh absolutely yeah well i went thomas one fleetwood two sergio three and then at the end there i got i just i'm a big zach johnson fan let's see if he can make the cut for me so, so i'll tell you what i got go ahead go ahead go ahead. i'm gonna look something up oh, i was just gonna say um so we all the masters you can't you can't um muscle the masters right you have to have great iron play so and that right there tells me Bryson DeChambeau is out. You just, it's a course where it's too hard. You know, you're not going to hit 500 yard bombs like he thinks he is. Um, I, I actually kind of like Jordan Spieth. So he's won it before. Uh, you know, he didn't win until um, last week for the first time in, uh, since 2017 at the uh, Open Championship. I think he's starting to find his groove. The last few tournaments, he's done really well. Now he's blown a couple of leads uh, late. You know, he blew one to Kepka, I think, at the, um, the WM Classic Waste Management. Uh, as well as a couple other. But I think he's starting to find his stride. He got a little confidence going in. He's great on the iron play. I mean, he, up until um, he had that two uh, two in the water a couple years ago, he should have won that Masters as well. So he should be a two-time champion there. Um, you know, I don't follow – I don't not to cut you I don't follow golf a lot. My dad does, and I go through a lot of advice with my dad with this. And this, again, this is a great – we have a good time doing this draft, except when people sit on a – a, a pick for about 13 hours. But uh, other than that, it's, it's a lot of fun with, and it's a lot of guys that, you know, we have good connections with. So, but I always, Matt, I mean, you're Matt, you're probably more into golf than I am. So I'll ask you, I always get a little nervous though. Like with, with Jordan, and I agree with Q Jordan shooting really well right now. He's you, it, you can see he's getting his game back, but he won last week. Sometimes they, I get a little nervous if they win one weekend and then they're coming back to a big tournament then this weekend, like to, to win it again. So I would agree with you, but I think the crazy thing about the masters is in Q, I'm going to touch on your DeChambeau comment too, because this is a great segue. So the masters is all about repetition. It's not like the other uh, tournaments where the venue changes all the time. So the more you play this course, the better you get at it. Nobody usually wins their first year. I think, I think the average is the five to six year range. I mean, DJ has been playing, I think for 10 until he finally cracked through. So two things, they did actually lengthen the course this year. Um, so hole one 
two and three all play perfectly for DeChambeau. He can actually drive three. Um, two's a, an easy get par five for him and all the power fives are. And in fact, the hardest one on the back, they actually lengthened um, 45 yards. So they are trying to uh, have guys not cut the corner like they were to make it so easy. I actually think this year, and I'm not a DeChambeau fan of any, I, I kind of think he's like a, a long drive circus show right now. That's just, uh, um, he's the outlier. He He's trying to change the game and he's actually getting successful at it when a player like Rory McIlroy actually said, hey, I tried to lengthen my game because I see what he's doing. So it's actually working. Um, Smitty, on your point, I, I I do really like Spieth this week because he's so good here. And if he just has to play steady, a one telltale factor, though, for when you're looking at this, if you bet uh, before the tournament starts and then if you bet in – in action, I believe after the first round, if you're not within, I want to say four strokes of the leader, you're already out. Like there's X number of years that's saying you're completely gone. You're, you have no chance. It's, those guys are going to the, – the leaderboard, sure, some of them might come back. But if there's five guys at minus four after the first round, three are going to keep going up. And then you're just trailing, 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 and you can't make it up. So that's a, a trend to look at. But I think this is actually a wide open year. Um, DJ's going to try to go back to back. That's almost impossible to do. I think Tiger did it and Jack did it. And maybe somebody way, way back along the way. I'm looking for a first year winner. I'm looking for uh, Justin Thomas or Rom this year are my two favorites. Well, that'd be great because I have Thomas. Yeah. So, yeah. What I like what you're thinking because I like. I mean, Rom's great too. I mean, Rom's great. It's and these drafts queue get so hard when you get down like at third round and you're way down. Oh, man, it's hard. Yeah. Oh, it's for hard. sure. Yeah, you just gotta find value. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you I'll do. Tell you, what. You, you read a I lot like and you try to find like look at the odds and you look articles and because again, I'm no golf expert at all. So, but it's again, it's a lot of fun. We do the four majors. Uh, we keep track of um, the money, and it's a nice payout if you win. We have a lot of guys in it, so it's a good time. I actually I'll submitted a DFS like lineup, too. Oh, okay. Good luck on that. Yeah, so. Smitty, you, you kind of got a steal there. I like Fleetwood. Uh, he plays, you know, very consistent golf, uh, and he has his whole career. And he's always kind of in that top ten. If you're watching the Masters, Fleetwood's always there. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I took some advice from Trackside. I, I, I asked Trackside his top guys, and he gave me some – and Fleetwood was one of his guys, and he was still there. And I like him. You know, I try to play guys, too, that I kind of like. I mean, Justin Thomas is just a good golfer, not one of my favorites. You know, like my last pick, Zach Johnson. Do I think he's going to do well? Probably not, Zach. But I like Zach Johnson. I hope he makes the cut. I mean, he has good, he, um, you know, short game and stuff sometimes. He's pretty good. And, you know, it's hard. You get down to the very end. Some of these guys, I don't know who they are. <laughs> I mean, he's a for, he's a former winner, Smitty. So he's yeah, he's got he's got the pedigree. Yeah, and uh, you know, again, I mean, it's just guys. My dad said so when I called, and I thought Phil was still there, and I like Phil, but I messed up, and somebody took him, and I just didn't see it on the big board. So I had to do another pick, and you know, my dad made a funny comment. He goes, "Well, you know," and he goes, "He's won one time for you because I had him in the British, and he won the British." And then I think I had bubble one year when we did this. We've been doing this golf thing for years upon years. It's tough to, but it, 
it's it's fun. It's a good time. So hopefully, and it, it intrigues you, and it's a lot of fun if you're one of your golfers or right there, and you track it all weekend, and it's a good time. So Q, you did you did hit a, a great point though. This is about the iron play, and they actually. So I've in the mornings, I've basically had on live from the Masters while I'm working away, and they said that the uh, course right now versus when they played it in the fall is completely different. So it was so easy to score in the fall. They've had dry weather down there. It's, they said the course is in amazing shape, but the greens they say are rock hard for putting and trying to stick your approach shots. So they say one key stat is actually ball flight and who like has the apex iron shots. And it actually comes down. I, I believe it was three people. It was Rory, Justin Thomas and either Rom or maybe Shafley who hit the, the, the highest iron approach shots. And that's going to be key to trying to stick it. Like these guys who are low flight in the ball in and trying to get that one shot, hop, stop, spin, not going to play. So I actually think like in my uh, DFS lineup, I do have DeChambeau because I, I, I think he's going to be sneaky, even though I can't really root for him unless it's for money. And then another play that they said to do is watch Kepka because everybody's scared about his injury. But they said he's the kind of guy that, that he's not going to play if he doesn't think he can win, period. So it's kind they, of a tiger. Yeah. Yeah. I like Kepka's mentality. I think he's a kind of a bulldog out there. Oh, he's a uh, monster. I mean, not, not granted, he's a cub compared to Tiger, but uh, I would say, like on the course now, I mean, he's kind of bullish. And I, I think people. Um, when he's close in the last day, people get intimidated by him and you can just see it. Um, especially since he's gained some weight, you know, physical presence, he's a little bigger built guy. He's, he hits a little farther now he's, and he's won some tournaments. Um, if he's there on Sunday, you know, maybe two, three strokes back, I could see him sneaking one out injured or not. Yep. So, all right, boys. Um, I think that's kind of it for today. Let's get back on, uh, this weekend, talk a little more baseball, you know, maybe, um, not so much cap games. Well, we can, uh, but, you know, kind of focus on maybe let's start to talk about maybe some trends we've seen. Um, you know, let's do a little homework. Let's get that. Like, I know I have a couple uh, that I've seen. Uh, and Smitty and I have been texting about it back and forth. Uh, that NFL draft talk going. And then, we'll, yeah, and then let's. Uh, Loved let's it today, man. Maddie, yeah. before Maddie had a great one that made me laugh at work today. The Zach Wilson C on the jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'll tell you what I actually, and I will, we'll, I'll tease this and we can talk about it um, on Saturday, but I just saw a report that Jerry Jones, apparently uh, insider sources down in Dallas say he's willing to trade out to get Kyle Pitts. He is head over heels in love with him. Awesome. I, he, I think wait. he sees his next Tony Witten. Jason Witten. Jason Witten. I'm sorry. I, wow, That's all right. Don't worry. So Q, I'm, I'm the worst. Well, I'm the worst one on the show with names, so don't. Yeah, well, we touch on that. We do. Uh, I put together a draft sheet every year um, with these characters. You want me to include you, where we try to predict the draft, uh, one through thirty-two, a couple extra. I throw in some bonus questions, and then I'll, I'll score it and see who wins. I think. I think the winner last year we got six picks right. That's how hard it is. <laughs> yeah, just add me to it. I'll uh, text me after the show, and we'll get that scored. Yeah, away. Sounds good. So awesome, guys. Right, boys. You know what? It was again great interview tonight, and I, I like that. Sometimes that we do that, that we have an interview, and, and just again another person in the in the family, in the gambling family, and great insight. So it was a great show tonight, man. It was. 
I think we yeah. should get him on for uh, like before. I know the Kentucky Derby is coming up rapidly approaching, so maybe not then. But I'd love to get him on before like the Preakness or the Belmont and get a get a breakdown. I'll tell you, his horse stuff is great. Yeah, and he I think that'd great, be fun. Like I said, his some of his shows that he's put out, and that I've watched those. Again, he's really and really really good. I mean, he's a great. I mean, he's a great camp, capper. I think in a lot of sports. So, but horses, he's fantastic too. So, awesome. All right. Yeah, we'll get him on. Uh, we'll uh, we'll try to get him on for the Derby. If not, we'll try to get him on for the next major one. So uh, that's all I got for you guys tonight, boys. I'll see you guys this weekend. Bang the bookies throughout the rest of the week. Find and those winners. Yep. See you, boys.